Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast. In this episode, Andy is going to talk about a book by Kevin DeYoung. And Tim is going to give us a final thought in God's word. And I don't know where that's from, but he's got 66 great options to choose from. And so happy summer. How are you guys doing? I'm tired, but it's summer and that's really great. (laughs) We've had a lot of traveling uh, just with Robin's surgeries and stuff. So it's been pretty, pretty busy, but it's really nice that it's warm out and sunny and my kids love it they are just loving the outdoor time it's like summer is just made for little kids i i'm telling you i mean it's made for adults too but it is made for little kids yeah my kids were running around and we went for a bike ride last night uh, um and it was a good night so yeah we're enjoying summer I, i've been home a little bit more i've been teaching my kids how to fix lawnmowers uh our book is supposed to arrive today the day of our recording so uh, we're trying to gear up some stuff for that, and uh, we'll see how that goes. All righty. Without further ado, as always... Oh, Charlie, how's your summer going? Wait, 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 wait. Charlie, you got to tell us how your summer's going. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, buddy. So <laughs> I, my living room is now a wonderful library. Glorious, amazing. <laughs> so I... Those pictures you sent have looked awesome. I guess I guess I probably haven't mentioned anything on the podcast officially, but uh, I I am officially have a different full time job than as of a couple of months ago. Uh, still still doing things at Faith, but also have a different nine to five job. And as a part of that, I've moved all of my books from the office at the school uh, to my apartment, and. If you're ever moving a bunch of books, find a couple of really good friends to help you move them because that is horrendous to move boxes and boxes of books. But uh, yeah, so now I have have five bookshelves in my living room that are essentially full. And one is a dedicated Tolkien bookshelf and one is a dedicated Lewis bookshelf. They're beautiful. They're they're absolutely beautiful. Mm. But... uh, Mm. So that that's kind of been the last week was just getting trying to reorganize the the books in the living room and then uh 3 days from our recording of this episode I will be on a mountain in the middle of nowhere uh uh we'll call it the lonely mountain how about we call it that but uh Oh yeah that's great. And so if I what find do you do any on that mountain? You know um, Tolkien uh and Tolkien analogies just kind of bleed out of you all the time. <laughs> they do, don't they? From Seriously. go back to the shadow to <laughs> I'm going to go to the lonely mountain. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So I'm, it, it's actually, so what's actually fun about it is the trip we're going, I'm going by backpacking in Wyoming for anyone that doesn't want any Tolkien uh, veiled references. But uh, they're actually, it was great. There are nine of us going, I believe, nine guys uh, with the with the church youth group, and so it is the the fellowship. There's nine of us, and um, that's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) 
my my role are you gandalf well you know if we had to pick characters i'm not really sure because so i'm not really i'm not from the church i'm going with so i am kind of just you should just start calling each one like different members of the fellowship it could be their name for the week that's good that would be pretty funny you gotta take a group photo and you gotta label them all (laughs) i'll I'll see what we can do every group has a mary and a pippin (laughs) yes they do (laughs) yeah but uh friend of the podcast well he hasn't been on the podcast so i don't know if i can call him friend of the podcast but sawyer go we should be able to yeah sawyer sawyer will be with me um and uh wait he's the one who got that uh uh, roll up a barley yarn phrase from josh boyd that one that's what you're gonna yep the the one that (laughs) likes to quote josh boyd uh frequently that's right yeah 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 Yeah, so so probably so when i interrupted you keep going true i think i think when our listeners are listening to this i will be back in iowa but uh as of a couple of days from this recording i will be so that's what i'm doing currently is after this i'm gonna you know get my pack all put together and we're leaving just in a few mornings here so that's my summer so yeah things are good enjoying the time to read that is a that is a wonderful wonderful thing it, it is, is yeah it? i've been reading on my porch it's just great to sit out there and enjoy a book yeah so i came over one day i can't remember what i was doing tim you were out reading on your porch. I'm like, man, this guy. Oh, this I is sit it right here. I sit on my porch it. all the time and I read. <laughs> and then my son's working on a lawnmower. And I he's like, I can't figure it out. And then I come over and try to help him out. <laughs> That's you know, awesome. I, I walk by Tim's house and I hear like coming from the back of, of like from his yard, I hear this like song of song Adillo like tune that he's like kind of humming to himself, you know. And uh it's just like, you know. You're horrendous. That's, I mean, it's I don't know how that is. Just put Tom Bombadillo into the song of yeah. songs. We need to move on. Song of Songadillo. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, as always. Business. <laughs> let's talk about a so book. Just cut Charlie off. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> so, Looking business. So my mother-in-law came and visited us for five days. So shout out to my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, if you guys are listening. My father-in-law, he's a listener from what I understand. He's been uh, listening to our stuff and he's bought a couple of the books. Um, but anyway, she she came from Michigan and she loves bookstores. So as, as long as I can remember, we would go to Michigan, me and Robin Wood. And they used to have the Erdman... Well, the Erdman's bookstore and the Zon. There should be a bunch of bookstores in Grand Rapids. They've most of them have closed, but Baker still has a bookstore open and it's Baker Bookhouse. And they have a used section that is huge. I mean, it's just big. In fact, Tim, I think I think I picked you one up one time when I was there for like a buck. Hey. It was some book that you Yeah, you've gotten me a so, few books, I think, from there through the years. Okay. You send me pictures like it's cool. Tim, do you have this one? It's like a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. It would be like a, I don't know if it'd be a worthy thinkling strip. I think, you know, Wheaton's uh, C.S. Lewis house, the Wade house would be, but this would be like a good one. We could go there, get a bunch of books. Mm-hmm. Anyways, my point is, oh yeah. Well, and Charlie, if, if we're going to go to Baker Bookhouse, we could also stop at Madcap Coffee. Oh yes. Oh, it would be so good. I've, I've been by Madcap dozens of times. 
and I'd never actually hmm. gotten anything there, but I knew you liked it. And so this past spring hmm. I was out there and I spent about an hour in their, uh, their flagship coffee shop and they make a good cup of coffee. Man, they do forget get the, the bookstore ones. <laughs> what just go get some coffee. Forget the bookstore. Let's just go get some coffee. It's only what? Nine hours. <laughs> that might be a bit of a drive for a cup. It's, it's a good cup. I will, I will say, but I don't know if it's nine hours worthy. That's a good one to sit in, Charlie, just with the downtown vibe. That's kind of a, that's kind of a fun place to sit. So, but anyways, sorry, listener to go on this long rabbit trail. But the point is uh, we like books. And so when she comes, she likes the fact that there's still a Christian bookstore in our town and Tim runs it. And so she always likes to come to the faith bookstore. So um, when her and her husband would come, he would come and look at the Bibles. He also, he like, like Spanish resources. He's tried to teach himself Spanish at times. He likes use commentaries. She's always looking at stuff. So now our kids like the bookstore. So when, when she came recently, we, the four of us, her and my two kids and me went to the bookstore and they're buying this and that. Oh, and our, sorry, my, um, our, our niece was with us too. So it was like a bunch of us, but I was looking around and had some gift cards to spend and found this book uh, by Kevin DeYoung called don't be true to yourself. And it is, listener it has got to be a qu- less than a quarter of inch thick it's really small it's not even that wide your hand would stretch over the sides if you put it on top of it flat and it, the subtitle is counterculture advice for the rest of your life it's literally 62 pages it's not long at all and the title alone sold me i thought i gotta have this like don't be true to yourself that is so perfect so i want to hear what Young says and so i think i probably have read through this in a total of about an hour it's really fast what i will say is that the first chapter is money it's really good he's quoting and citing all kinds of uh good stuff behind what he's saying you'll you'll pick up on it um if you've read if you haven't you'll still find it really really good so and then just a side note uh i went ahead and posted a couple of quotes from this online and uh shout out to randy vodder he, he got on and said that he actually read, he said that it was a really good book, specifically the first chapter, which I agreed with. And I jumped on and said, I, then that first chapter was excellent. Um, but he said he actually read that chapter with like personal annotation comments to their high school chapel one day, just took, took a time to read the chapter and talk about it. And I thought that is a great idea to, to read through something short like this, just the chapter and make your comments uh, with a bunch of high schoolers. This would be perfect. Now, DeYoung says he wrote this because he got asked to speak at a number of graduation, like uh, commencement addresses. And Justin Taylor heard one of them and said, hey, you should put that into a booklet, like a little pamphlet. Well, he had spoken a couple of times, so it turned out to be a little mini book like this. It has five chapters. The first chapter is titled, Don't Be True to Yourself. And that's really good advice in there. I'll, I'll read some quotes in a minute. The rest of it is really is like life advice. So if you have a senior in high school or a high school student who's getting ready to graduate, he says, uh, that's who I'm writing for. But he also says that it's going to be useful and beneficial for, for everybody. So it did have um, not a graduation feel to it, but it did have like the next stage of life feel to it. Um, he's just a good writer. Uh, chapter two is choose for yourself. And that's where you're going to have to decide on your own. <clears throat> Are you going to go to church or not when you go to college? Uh, chapter three, the first day of the rest of your life. And so you're talking about like what's coming next. 
chapter four, two ways to live. And then chapter five, horseshoes, hand grenades, and the kingdom of God. And that one's really interesting because he's trying to help you understand that just because you've gone to church your whole life and your family's Christian, you might be really close to the kingdom of heaven, but you might not be in it. And that's the referencing the scribes who could answer Jesus really well. And he says, you're not that far from the kingdom of heaven, but like these are people who agreed who had the same worldview. It's a really interesting chapter. So I want to read a couple of quotes uh, from the first chapter. He he starts off spicy as ever, um, quoting Anna Quindlin, a writer for the New York Times. And she was giving a commencement advice to some seniors. And she said this, she says, each of you is as different as your fingertips. Why should you march in lockstep? Our love of lockstep is our greatest curse, the source of all that bedevils us. It is the source of homophobia, xenophobia, racism, sexism, terrorism, bigotry of every variety and hue, because it tells us that there is one right way to do things, to look, to behave, to feel, when the only right way to feel is your heart hammering inside you and to listen to what that timpani is saying. So that's some advice. And he says, that's fairly typical commencement counsel. Quote, follow your dreams. Mm. March to the beat of your own drummer. Be true to yourself. I'd like to offer some different advice. Don't follow your dreams. Don't march to the beat of your own drummer. And whatever you do, don't be true to yourself. And I just, it, I really like how he comes right out and says, that's wrong. And so the rest of the chapter, he's talking about desires. Like he, he basically talks about how people today live totally enslaved to whatever desire they have. He gives the illustration, and this was interesting. I had not thought of this this way before, but he gives the illustration of Esau. So Esau came back from the field and he had great desire for food. He was consumed with desire for food and ended up making decisions based on that desire. It was an interesting metaphor. I'm not sure how far I would press it, but it is interesting. Like he was like living according to his desires. I've never thought of it that way before. Um, and I think he's, I think he's right. I just, it's one of those, you know, you know, I have a Bible story. You hear it your whole life and you don't think of it like in a certain way. So that was really helpful. Uh, and he he's he goes through this section where he's talking about Esau living according to satisfying that desire. All Esau wanted was not to deny that desire, but to satisfy his desire for food. He says uh, Esau is emotional and impulsive. He's fainting, panting, gasping, gulping. You can almost see him wiping off his mouth, throwing down his napkin, and letting out a loud belch as he walks away from the meal of his stew. He was not made nobler. For satisfying his desires. He was made lower. He became like an animal. And right there is where I thought, man, this is just, this sounds a lot like abolition of man in C.S. Lewis. And so he, in the next, uh, another quote here, he says, the world tells us to, uh, that our identity is found in what we desire. So to deny the fulfilling of what you desire is to deny your truest identity. We are all awash in what Carl Truman calls expressive individualism anyone know what book he's quoting there rise and triumph of the modern self that's right it, actually it might be strange new world oh but, it could um, be yeah well you know same difference no it's 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 rise and triumph i mean that's the big one but that and he needs that's to my he's point. writing 
you know, in a book, know. you gotta, you gotta go to the meaty stuff. <laughs> I know you gotta go, but, but here's, here's what I like about that guys. That's the first three pages. And he's referenced Lewis Truman. And he's talking about desires. This is a good. This is a really good chapter. Mm-hmm. So I've got. I don't know if you can see yeah. all the the flags I've got here for to read. So oh, I don't yeah. want to. I don't know how much time we have, but I just I kept finding quotable stuff. So in, uh, later on, he talks about affections versus passions. This one's worth reading on the podcast. He says throughout most of history, philosophers and theologians have distinguished between affections, which are motions of the will, and passions which sweep over us unbidden. I've, that has been one of the most helpful distinctions in the last 15 years of my life. I've tried to hammer that in classes. A passion is something that comes over you. You don't ask for it to come over you and you just either give it in or you resist it. And an affection is something you cultivate. You, mm-hmm. you think about it. And so when you love God, you, in one sense, you don't want to love him with that kind of passion. You want to love him with a cultivated knowledgeable affection of his character and his actions. That's always what people in the Bible praise God for his characters and his actions. It's not this romantic God sweeping you off your feet thing. That's you won't find that in the Bible, but you do find people praising him for his character. So anyways, this book's good. He says, um, I don't know. I should probably, this is going to go long, so I'll stop, but it's a really good book. I just want you to know it's a little tiny book and I've got so many quotes in here that I, I think are him taking the philosophical cookies and putting them on the low shelf and the reader's not even going to know it. But if you've done a lot of study and you're that kind of reader, you're going to read this and think, wow, he is pulling together some really good stuff. I'll, I'll read one more quote. Um, he says, the world says you are what you feel. The world says that is equals ought. The world says you must find yourself, be true to yourself and express yourself. Jesus gave us a different way to live. And then he quotes John 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I just thought he was really tying together some good biblical uh, statements that go against the current identity culture that I think all of our cultures grown up with. This is interesting. Uh, Robin and I were driving back from Iowa City yesterday after she had a post-operative um, checkup from her surgery. We were just remarking on what a different world it is today that our kids are going to grow up in. Now, the three of us, we on the podcast here, Tim and I are like six months apart, but I think, Charlie, we're about a decade apart from you. So we're kind of like all in the same sort of neighborhood. But like the kids today who are like children, they really are going to grow up in a fully desire focused world. And um, it's very interesting to see, to think about where that's going to go. So anyways, there's a lot of quotes in here. I'm a little sad. I can't uh, read them all. I'm just going to flip through and see if there's another one that I should read. Um, oh, there's, can I just another one? This would be helpful for if you have a high schooler, okay, that you are working with this one is what I say this book is the kind of tool that won't be hard to read Mm -hmm. and it will give you plenty of diving boards to jump off and say things that you've probably been saying to that young person or you need to and you're just looking for someone else to say it also so for example um, the first day of the rest of your life he's talking all about church attendance 
And he's saying, when you go to college, you need to go to church. Going to chapel is not a, if you go to a Bible college, going to chapel is not a substitute. Uh, Watching online is not a substitute. And he gives a really strong press. But then he says, um, someone says something like, well, yeah, but just going to church doesn't make me, you know, godly or whatever. And it's true. You can go to church and be a pagan. But he says, growth is not going to happen without church consistently in the background. Exactly. That's the thing. And I really think I've, I, um, I know Christians who will do well and grow and they're not attending a local gathering and they think, hey, but I'm doing better than I ever have. But that's not better. Um, I'm not sure what measure you're using, but consistent, faithful gathering with the Lord's people is absolutely central in Christianity. And so he makes a good press for that. And I just, I think that that's really helpful. I don't know if you guys have thoughts you want to jump in on, but he talks about Augustine of Hippo. That's pretty cool. Well, okay. Last one. And then I want to hear you guys, because this has been a kind of a meaty books and business for a little tiny 60 page book. Hey, it's good. He, he just really highlights the value of quiet growth plus or quiet growth and quiet growth is faithfulness plus endurance. He says the blessed man who delights in the law of the Lord has the fruitfulness of a tree. He's, he's in Psalm one. You can probably tell he says, and notice the phrase that he yields fruits in season. There is a quiet growth in the godly man or woman. You don't have to be fancy or successful. If you have healthy roots in time, the Lord will make you blossom. The Lord will give you fruit. He will give you life. And in season, people will see it. The wise and happy person in the long run is the person who learns to practice delayed gratification. This is a second quote on the other page. The person who chooses what is harder now for what is better later. In a world that encourages us to be short-lived flowers and flimsy grass, let's make a commitment to be sturdy trees. It's a very long meditation on Psalm 1, and I liked both of those thoughts. Um, flowers pop up and die, but a tree grows slowly over time. And so in our culture, there's this like superstar Christianity thing that's out there, and there's like do great things for God, which you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But quiet, continuous, loyal, and faithfulness, that, that's a good thing. So anyways, uh, Do Not Be True to Yourself by Kevin DeYoung. This thing's tiny. It's cheap. It was like seven bucks. You'll read it in a quick bit. It's a, it's a, I think it would be a good tool for devotional or for uh, discipleship. Sounds like a great book for graduating seniors. <clears throat> yes. In fact, I think I got a Max Lucado, uh, like chicken soup for the soul style quotey kind of book for a high schooler, which was okay. I, it wasn't okay, actually. It was probably, I, I don't know where it is, but it was like very, very, very uh, vapid. I so, would say like very emo. This book's mm-hmm. really, <laughs> if you meditate on this and talk with someone else about it, this, is going to be good. Yeah. So good for you. as uh, as a listener might be uh, contemplate, it's a little off for the graduation season right now. That's kind of already passed, but for next year, uh, what might be a really neat idea is uh, give that book to uh, your graduating or graduates or whoever. And it's not that much more expensive than a greeting card. So get them the book and yeah. stick some money into it instead of giving them some card they're going to throw away, write a little note on the beginning of it. That'd be a great graduation gift idea. The other thing that you could do with it is this fall when you have a high schooler starting their senior year, read through it 
bits at a time throughout the year and just talk about it. You mean, you could go like two pages at a week and just talk about what's in there. Um, and that would be preparing them ahead to be thinking about the next year. That'd be another good way to use it. So if you're struggling to read, then this would be a great book for you to grab. It's easy. You can read through it and finish yeah. it. It might be a great place for you to start as well. I love it. Carter, did you have anything? Yeah, I was just going to try to encourage our listeners. You know, uh, that is a great book to purchase. And you should buy two copies of it. And you should think you think of someone right now in your church, a younger man, a younger woman uh, that you could read with and just get copies of that book. And, you know, if you're listening to this in middle of June, early July, you've got maybe a month or two before school starts. And maybe it doesn't have to be that book. You could be Song of Songs for Singles whenever it comes out or whatever, you know, and just find someone in your church to read and do that with them that read good books with your friends. Maybe that it would be a, that'd be such a great tagline for like a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Brilliant. I love it. Yeah. So horrendous. (laughs) um, And, and I, I resisted the, the urge, but I, now I'm giving into the urge. I just call it maybe a passion that has overcome me. But uh, as we're talking about Psalm one, you know, it's like, so in a sense, he tells us to be tree beards. He tells us to be ants. I, was, you know? he, I knew it. I knew it. I yeah. knew it. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and, and then when you I said, when you said, when you said, this is a really meaty books and business, I resisted the urge to say, looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. But, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, see that that so, Tolkien man, just Charlie. bleeds out out of let's, him all the time. He he just can't help it. Let's let's have a final thought from God's word, Tim. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. I'm actually going to read Psalm one because that's as he was talking where my mind went, and then irony of ironies, and young went there too. Psalm one reads: Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. Psalm 1, we've visited this text frequently on the podcast and the connotation, the emphasis that I wanted to highlight today in light of Andy's book and uh, in light of graduating seniors who might be looking uh, or discerning what is God's next next path, what is God's next chapter in their lives, to think through the wicked. And when we think through Psalm 1, a lot of times our perception of the wicked are the people who are burning down cities, the people who are doing great wicked deeds. I was reading Scott Annual's musing on God's music uh, recently, and he applied this not to the wicked as in the people burning down cities, but to your neighbor who is prosperous, who has a good life, who for all seeming purposes seems blessed. We use that word a lot. We talk about, I'm blessed. God has blessed me. Uh, But that neighbor that's living in rebellion against God, who seems to be blessed, 
okay, is not living in submission to the Lord, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, which is why in the Psalm, in the Psalter, in the book of Psalms, you have Psalm 1 followed by Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 concerns submission to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as you consider what true blessing is and what it means to be blessed from a biblical perspective, don't forget Psalm 2. And in Psalm 2, 12, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Psalm 2, actually I'll start at verse Psalm 2, verse 10. Now therefore be wise, O kings, to be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Okay, do you see the exhortation there is to serve the Lord with fear? and rejoice with trembling. Submission to the Lord and what the Lord commands is the way of the blessed man. And then it states in verse 12, kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. That last phrase, blessed are those who put their trust in him, functions as an inclusio with Psalm 1. In Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Psalm 2.12, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. And as you see people prospering, and they seem to be, they, they, they look at you and they're like, why? Why go to church? Why, why draw close to God? He doesn't do anything for me. Look at my life. I have a good life. Who is that person? That is a person living in rebellion to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is a wicked individual. And while they look like they are blessed, don't be, don't follow them. Don't believe them. Don't, don't make them your closest friends. But sit in the seat of the wise, which is at church. Draw close to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with others by reading good books and talking about them with your friends. Draw close to the Lord through his word and submit, submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Trust him. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings podcast. The Thinklings want to remind our listeners that the Thinklings podcast is our personal production. Our conversations, book discussions, and viewpoints may not represent the views of Faith Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary. Any questions or feedback should be directed to us at the Thinklings podcast.